Good morning. Welcome to St. Saviors. I'm standing here in the church building, and, and some of you may have heard about some of the damage that we've had. It's minor, really, um, in, in the chancel up here from a bit of falling plaster. But it just means that we can't be in the church building, and I know that's so difficult for very many of us. But what we will do is we will continue to bring you the word and scripture and fellowship and worship how, by whatever means we can. And I rejoice in that because technology exists to help us do that. Even in the face of what is potentially another lockdown and further restrictions, we know that the gospel is not limited. We know that there is not just hope, there is a creative venture waiting for us to step out and, and spread the good news in an exciting and joyful way because we see God's work all around us and we see the goodness of what he's doing in the face of what appears to be discouragement. You know, it's such a good time to talk about church. You know, if you ask most people who go to church, who are Christians, you ask them, what is church? What, what is church for? Chances are they're going to have a very clear answer. And they'll know straight off the top of your heads. Well, church is for um, looking after vulnerable people. And it's for connecting with the community. And others might say, well, it's, it's all about events for families and youth and children. And others would say, you know, it's the voice that can speak to government and its policies and its laws and provide a different perspective gospel perspective. Incidentally, if you ask someone in this community out here, over the age of 55, say, what is church for? And they are not a churchgoer. They also will have an answer for you. And they may talk about the presence of the building and the heritage and the history and tradition and how important the church is as a, as a focal point for the community. Now, having said that, I'm not going to talk about any of that today. I'm going to talk about something completely different. Uh, what I want to talk about is personal discipleship. Personal discipleship is not contained by a building. It's, it's bound up in our life experiences and our journey with Jesus Christ. It goes in and through our relationships and our family, our personal life and our work, and it's not, it's not compartmentalized. And so this is such a good time to talk about personal discipleship. It's a question that runs deep. And the thing is, is that nobody can tell you what your journey in personal discipleship should look like because it is absolutely between you and God. And it's completely contingent on your life experience, on the things that you understand. And the Holy Spirit will speak in a kind of vernacular to you, in a language that you're going to understand. And so the way that Jesus relates to you is entirely personal. And yes, it's reminiscent of the contours of Scripture. It reminds us of of the gospel story, and so it resonates with all that, but, but it is unique to you and to me. 
And you know, Paul has this interesting thing to say in, in Romans when he's talking to a community that's dead set on following the law. You know, he says the law is good, but actually it doesn't get us far enough. You know, because our relationship with God can't be reduced to a legalistic formula. God actually requires more. And he requires more in personal discipleship. I often talk about this subject in language like the way of the cross. Because it's a, it's a journey. It's traveling. And it's traveling with Jesus Christ. And, and it's our understanding that at no point in this lifetime have we arrived. Have we arrived at our destination? We're finished. We're complete. We're sanctified. But it's understanding that we're on a trajectory with Jesus and that our life is changing for the good because of that. The thing is, personal discipleship requires something of us. You know, it, it requires us to give up control. You know, we're taught from a young age that, that, that we can decide what, what, is, what is good for us in our life. That we, that we take a bit of the Bible and we take a bit of world experience and we take a bit of university education and we take a bit of relationships here and relationships there and we, and we process it and then we decide how we're going to live our lives. I hate to tell you, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't really work. And one of the telltale signs that I often see is the way that we can, I put my hand up here, the way that we compartmentalize the Christian life, of how we do, you know, church on a Sunday with Jesus, that's one box, and then we do our personal life, work life, relationship, finances, that's in another box, and the two never really come together. And the thing is, we are called to think of Jesus as something so much more three-dimensional, so much deeper, that actually he's deeply interested in your personal life. He's deeply interested what you're thinking about at three o'clock in the morning. He's deeply interested in your joy at discovering your grandchildren taking their first steps or recording a message for you on, on FaceTime or, or getting an email. You know, he's deeply interested in all those things and wants to share them with you. Life is richer, deeper, fuller when we hear and understand and follow the voice of God in our lives, which is a unique voice. It's all good, right? So why is it this personal discipleship journey is the number one challenge for most Christians today, living this way of the cross. I think it's because it requires something of us. It requires that we admit that we're weak. Now, this is not, this is not the same thing as talking about brokenness 
which is something that we share with the rest of humanity. And it's not, it's not the same thing as saying, oh, I can't do anything right and I'm despicable and deplorable and I'm, I'm rotten to my core. I'm hopeless. It's not those things, not at all. And I do not want you to think that. It's something else entirely. I'm talking about the complete and utter inability to live life without Jesus acknowledging that Jesus is there in us and with us. You know, the majority of the Old Testament, the vast majority that spans millennia, is a story that can be reduced to one theme. Da dangerous as this is to do. <laughs> reduced to one thing. God equals life. God equals life. And Jesus is the source of that life. He's the bridge. He's the source. He's the answer. He's the key. And so our need actually is desperate. It's really desperate. There's nothing good that we can do in our lives apart from him. And that's the thing is Jesus is acting in the world all the time, even in and through people who don't yet know him. That's power. But you know, Jesus isn't interested in just the act of doing good. You know, he's craving that personal relationship with people. He doesn't need it. He's God. He has everything he needs. But he desires it. He desires it simply because. And that's where his love comes from. That's the genesis of his love. We run the risk sometimes of thinking about Jesus as this far distant manager who's kind of loosely managing the economy of our lives in this divinely benevolent way from afar. And, and I really want to pull us back from that because it reduces God to this kind of clockmaker image that is so distant and so remote that we can't access him. So there's another image I want to leave with you about how I think Jesus works in your life and in mine, and that's it's as a lifeblood. He is, is the blood flowing through our veins. He's the, he's the source of oxygen. He carries the oxygen to our muscles to get us running. He's the, he's the source of life. He's, the, he's, he's right here, right here, coursing through every part of us. And what do we do? What do we do? You know, we, we, we cut off our nose to spite our face, you know? We would happily remove our own leg and watch the pool of blood gather on the ground and then question where God is. You know, because as Frank, Frank Sinatra says, you know, I, I want to do it my way. I want to do it my way, right? But how do we do it our own way when Jesus is already within us? It's not possible we find ourselves actually in conflict 
with who we are inside. We find ourselves in conflict with Jesus working in and through us, but because he's not a taskmaster, a slave master, he's going to be constantly inviting us in, constantly nudging, you know, convicting, constantly encouraging, hey, I'm over here. You know, the thing that Jesus wants the most in your life, he wants to be listening to you and talking to you. He wants to be close to you and, 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 and living in and through you and, and part of your, your daily life. When you bleed, you bleed his blood. That's how close you are. That's what his love is and that's what it's done for us. It's who he is. Now, when Jesus tells his disciples, take my yoke, he's saying, saying two things. And the first is this. Your trials will continue. Being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus is not some get out of jail free card. You know, it doesn't somehow eliminate the trials of life from our journey. The promise of the story of the book of Acts, in fact, is that through our trials, as they continue, Jesus will be glorified. His faith will grow and spread despite our trials. And sometimes, yes, because of our trials, Jesus will triumph. And number two is this. Don't be afraid of the trials when they come. Because in the crisis and the heartache and the suffering and failure and uncertainty and brokenness, there's hope. And it's not some kind of ethereal, misty hope about a distant salvation, you know? No, no, no. It's a solid hope that you can grab hold of because Jesus is there. And he will carry you. And that's what he's telling his disciples. I will carry you. The way of the cross. Give me your ear. Give me your heart. Give me undivided heart. And I will carry on the very blood that runs through your veins. But that requires something. You know, you have to put down the thing that you're carrying already. That isn't the cross. You have to put it down. And then you have to go to Jesus and accept the invitation. And that looks scary for a lot of us. It may require you to give up some control, feelings of control about your job, your finances, your relationships, your coping mechanisms, your substance abuse, your drinking, your gambling. It may require you to admit that you don't have the answer for every problem in your life. And that can be scary. Oh, and by the way, he may require you to give up your busyness, your charitable good deeds. Because what he wants is to draw you into this personal relationship, this conversation, this dialogue. And dialogue is two parts. It's not just talking. It's listening. And Jesus is always speaking to you in your language. It's just that we need to stop and listen. We need to stop and listen to what Jesus is saying in your life 
and in my life. Not just for church. Jesus says, take courage. Not only do I stand with you, not only do I carry this burden, I'm the very blood in your veins. I'm your life. The two can't be separated. I talked the other week about the power of prayer and what I so desire for you and for me in this season is not just a relentless list of intercessions about Jesus, will you do this? And Jesus, will you do that? And will you heal this person? And will you do that? And will you intervene in national politics? And I'm desperate for all of us to listen, to stop and listen, to stop what we're doing and listen to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit who's already saying something, but we're too busy to hear it. This is the way of the human condition. We're all too busy to hear it. And so as we press into life groups, as we press into prayer ministry, as we press into things that, that will build into this, it is fundamental that we understand that listening is what gets us into dialogue with Jesus Christ. It gets us into the yoke with Jesus. It's the listening that engages us and lets us know not just what to do, but who we are, who we are, our identity. And I promise you, there is nothing so fulfilling as knowing the promise of Jesus Christ in your life and the distinctiveness of that. That's what I want for you and for me on this journey together. Amen.